of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. Welcome to Radio Contra, the podcast of AmericanPartisan.org, hosted by me, the best-selling author of The Gorilla's Guide to the Balfing Radio, NC Scout, coming at you live here from the Gorilla Camp, located deep in the foothills of northern North Carolina. And uh, back on the air once more, have had an incredibly busy week, an incredibly uh, busy time right now with with so much going on um you know got class coming up this weekend and uh have had just a a lot of interaction with uh you out there in the real world of course we had magmatics partisan lifesaver course last weekend which was just incredible uh what a wonderful time a lot of great patriots in there in that class it was a packed house and uh we had a heck of a lot of fun i was in and out Got a lot of irons in the fire. Uh, writing two books now. Writing two books concurrently. One of them, of course, is the Signals Intelligence book, and the other one is a uh, we'll just say top secret project. And you just need to know that the wheels are turning right now. Uh, so that one is also well underway and i want to give a quick shout out to the show sponsors out there the resist the mainstream newsletter resist the mainstream.com go check them out great website over there daily news as well as original content from some fairly notable authors over there fairly notable authors very good stuff that they are putting out and uh, they are very proud sponsors of this podcast and of AmericanPartisan.org. Blacksmith Publishing, my very good friends who wrote the Small Unit Tactics Handbook for the SF Special Forces Qualification Course, Mike Blackburn and Paul LeFevre. Of course, they have a lot of other great books as well, including Iron Sharpening Iron, which is a personal favorite of mine. Go check them out. BlacksmithPublishing.com CivilDefenseManual.com Jack Lawson's two-volume set 
which I had the uh, great honor of writing the communications chapter in. I think that they are a must-have for any survival and preparedness library. Last and certainly not least, my friend, my uh, often partner on not just this podcast, but the Privy Council and is featured uh, as a staple on the Council on Future Conflict with some very notable names over there as well. Mr. Joe Dolio of Tactical Wisdom. You can find his four-volume set as well as his tactical notebook on his website, tacticalwisdom.com. So anyhow, breaking down the latest goings-on in the world... Of course, if you didn't know, the train derailment in Ohio, which has released a large amount of vinyl chloride into the ecosystem, has been dominating the alternative media. Of course, there is a complete blackout of this incident in the conventional media. I don't think that that should really surprise anyone. Now, uh, you know... This is extremely dangerous, right? There's a lot of people who are wondering uh, just what vinyl chloride is and, and what it is used for. It is a vital element of making PVC. Uh, so the manufacturing of PVC pipes, uh, PVC as a plastic, it is a, a critical element in that. And it is an extremely dangerous chemical. Um, you know, this is... One of those things that if we were looking at this from a Carver matrix, right? Uh, Carver matrices is in the unconventional warfare paradigm, how we target critical infrastructure, right? Criticality, accessibility, recognizability, vulnerability, effect, and recuperability, Right, look those things up. Look those things up. Uh, over on Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter at Brushbeater. Uh, that is at Brushbeater. Uh, handle is NC Scout. Uh, there's a few people out there who are uh, imitators. You know, it it all comes with it, right? It all it all comes with the territory. Um, but uh, anyhow, you can follow me over there. But if I were looking at this from the unconventional warfare paradigm. As somebody who has been trained in that world, who uh, at least you know worked for a little bit of time in that world, um, I can tell you that that the fact that we had so many train derailments, uh, three in a very short span of time, as well as all the other odd occurrences that seem to keep happening. This is really, really suspect. All right, now, I know, I know that, that a lot of people out there will throw their hands up. Oh, yeah, we've heard enough conspiracy and, you know, okay. But uh, the thing is, is that there's, there's really two types of thought out there when it comes to um, how people process things and how they look at stuff. There's the type of people that think, how am I going to build this up? Right. How am I going to um, enhance whatever it is that I'm looking at? How am I going to build up this thing? 
right? And then there are the people who say, how can I target this? How can I bring it down? How can I tear this down, right? How can I destroy this? And those types of thinkers are frequently the ones that end up in special operations community, right? Because whether you you think that way from the outset or you think that way due to indoctrination, and there is some level of indoctrination that goes on of, of how to bring something down because you are thinking about, uh, you know, taking this information putting it into categorized elements and, you know, you, you think over and over again, how would I kill me? And that becomes a, a very critical element of um, uh, self-preservation, if, if not for anything else, uh, but also mission effectiveness, right? And so you think about things in those terms. You have to, and, and in I'll be honest, in, in 2023, if you're not thinking in conspiratorial terms, right, if you're not thinking that at least at some level, maybe there is something happening behind the scenes that we are really not in tune to, right? I mean, you can bury your head in the sand all you want. NORAD just blew up three items, right, three items out of the sky. In their entire existence, they have never done that. And all of a sudden, they're doing that. Now, we could say that maybe that's a distraction from other things, and I would not disagree. Okay, I would not disagree. But on some level, man, let's think about this. Something's not right. Okay, something is not right. And there is a lot that we're not being told. Right? There's a lot that we're not being told. There's a lot that I understand why we're not being told. And I'm willing to accept that. Okay, Because I know how things work behind the scenes. Totally fine with the fact that we're not being told everything. Because there are some elements that don't need to know everything. Right? But what I will say is this. Looking at the people in charge. Looking at people like Pete Booty Judge or Booty Gag or whatever they're calling him this week. However you pronounce that last name. Right. The man whose father is a college professor, was an avowed Marxist and translated Antonio Gramsci's work from Italian into English. Right. The prison notebooks. He translated those for this man who has become a, a product of failing upward over and over again. And it seems like his virulence against the most productive sectors in American society, just continue to get more and more venomous as time goes on. This is very concerning to me. This is a guy who took maternity leave for how many weeks? Who disappears after every incident? Who has never been held accountable? Right, The, the little old mayor from, from Gary, Indiana, or South Bend, Indiana, right? Let, let, me, let me correct myself. South Bend, Indiana. Oh, man. Big difference, right? Big difference. Two places that, that are that are pretty rough around the edges. Um, they, they install this idiot as mayor. And what did he do? What did he do? What did he do that was so great, right? He claims that he was, he was uh, uh, part of the naval intelligence community as a naval officer, right? With his clean uniform on, an M4 that had no optic on it, that it looked like it had never been fired. Right, that was the picture that we were given. But his only qualification for office is that he's gay. Well, he's gay. You can't criticize him because he's gay. Right? Oh my God. 
No accountability. No accountability. Right? There is no accountability. I do not care personally about someone's categorical categorical qualities. Had to had to uh, get that one out. Right? I don't personally care about whatever they do in their personal life. Well, that's not true. There are some things I absolutely do care about. But the fact that the man's gay is not a qualification to be Department of Transportation Secretary. And he has a repeated propensity for failing upward every single time. This man is incompetent. He is a communist. And when he comes out and says that white males are habitually the problem, I have a very, very difficult time accepting that. Okay, very difficult time accepting that. But when we see the Biden administration, this is who they have surrounded themselves, who they've insulated themselves with. And if I were Russia and China right now, I would be absolutely laughing at this. Because they are. Now, let's circle back to Carver. Let's circle back to Carver. We could say, well, you know, the the nation's infrastructure is crumbling okay well who's to blame who's to blame who is in charge who is in charge oh well well, we we can just pass the blame over to, to donald trump right that's the liberal answer kick the can kick the can backwards right we heard this eight years under obama well it was george w bush's fault right we heard this over and over again if you repeat a lie enough times becomes truth have we heard this before anywhere in history? All right. This is what the Democrats are doing. This is what they've continued to do. It is very, very easy to do that. It is very difficult to have accountability. And when you do not have accountability repeatedly out of the political class in your society, this is what continues to occur. Now, I tell you all that not to get into a rant against Democrats in general, even though I despise them. Uh, I think that they represent some of the dumbest people in our society, in our political makeup, those who are engaged. I think that they are absolutely some of the dumbest brain-dead people, and I've dealt with them at an interpersonal level. They're incapable of thought. Now, Republicans, there's a lot of them that, that similar statements could be made But Democrats, you take the cake. You take the cake. And you know it. You're not capable of independent thought. Right? But conspiratorial aspects. Let's talk conspiracies. Let's go back to Carver. Right? So if, for example, we were at war with a peered nation or a near-peer nation, right? Let's say maybe Russia, because I would make a very valid argument, and a lot of people have out there as well, that we're at war with Russia. When you have people like Victoria Nuland, uh, you have Senator Lindsey Graham, you have all of the usual neocon warhawk types that are out there. Uh, Of course, Lindsey Graham was saying not that long ago that we were 
needing to authorize drone strikes on the Russian Politburo at the top, which is very, very concerning uh, because that is everything short of a declaration of war, an announcement of war, right? You're basically saying that, that you're going to kill the head of state of one of the economic powers of the world, right? This is, this is very, very dangerous talk, right? It's certainly not talk from a leader that we would expect to be uh, at least extending the olive branch, right? Which uh, America being a force for good, you know? But let's say, just for example, that we were at war with, with another power which I think by everybody's estimation, we are well on track to be, right? Understand this, that we have a non-existent southern border because, again, there has been no accountability out of our political class in Washington. So we have a, a non-existent southern border that nothing is being do, done to address this issue. We have Chinese nationals that are coming across this border. How'd they get there? How'd they get there? We have Iranian nationals coming across the border. How did they get there? We have Venezuelans. We have Nicaraguans. We have Cubans. And yes, we have Russians also that are coming across our border. Now, I've chronicled this in... The episodes, Red Dawn in America, Parts 1 and Part 2, I've written about this extensively on AmericanPartisan.org. And much of it, of course, has fallen on deaf ears. I've had people that have reached out to me uh, in, in the years since those episodes that were recorded and was like, man, that, that was pretty accurate. How did you know all that stuff? It's not that I knew it. It's that I looked at it from my own perspective and my life experience and said, if I wanted to kill America, how would I do it? That's how I'd do it. We turned a complete blind eye to foreign policy in South America and look at what it has caused. The Chinese took full advantage of our lack of engagement. And we have... President Biden welcoming Lula at the White House. Lula, of course, in 2019, being featured in many news stories discussing BRICS in its infancy, saying it's not that we want to create something parallel to the U.S. dollar. We want to create a weapon to murder it. Do you understand He's not a friend to the United States. The friend of the United States we just threw out, Bolsonaro, who's now living in exile in Florida. Think about that. If I wanted to murder America, how would I do it? Well, what do the Russians have to say about this? Interestingly enough, over my life, I, I've met some very fascinating individuals. Um, it's it just, you know, it, it's it's been very, very fascinating. And um, when I was in Afghanistan, uh, I ran across a gentleman 
British guy because I, I hung out with the Brits a bit uh, for the first part of the tour and uh, worked with them and and uh, really enjoyed my time with them. Um, you know, they have a different way of thinking that, you know, I'm not going to say is, is right or wrong, but uh, they just got to have a, a different perspective on the world, which is fascinating to me. Uh, very fascinating to me. But there was a gentleman who was working in, we'll say, an intelligence capacity. Um, and I always found talking to him was one of the most engaging conversations that someone could be blessed to have. And I always really, really enjoyed talking to him. Um, and we'll just we'll just call him Tony. And Tony, Tony was a wonderful chess player, very, very well educated, um, just a, a wonderfully intelligent guy and had a, a he was an older gentleman, had a, a wonderful perspective on life. And one day, one day when uh, some friends of mine uh, from uh, our unit were headed over to the Brits, he was there and he was reading. He was reading a newspaper in Russian, which was very fascinating to me. Tony had spent a certain amount of time as a Russian linguist, and we knew what his real job was there. He was uh, an interrogator. But uh, he, he also had been a Russian linguist. He had got his start as a Russian linguist. And I had been reading a rather interesting book at the time that he had turned me on to. And then I picked up a second book. That book was The Aquarium by Viktor Suvorov, a guy by the name of Viktor Suvorov. And the second book that I picked up that I found very interesting uh, which he didn't turn me on to, was Spetsnaz. And so the aquarium is a very interesting look at the Russian spy program, how the KGB and the GRU would train their field agents, how they would indoctrinate them, the, the whole process. Spetsnaz is another vantage point on this process of how their special operations troops were trained, at least at that time. Very, very interesting book. All right? I think that it's something that is a, a must-read. Well, anyway, one day, he's reading a newspaper in Russian. And I thought that this was really profound. And so we struck up a conversation, which, you know, I don't speak Russian, you know, can't, can't uh, read Cyrillic or any of that stuff, right? Uh, can read Arabic, used to speak Arabic pretty, pretty decent, pretty passably. Not anymore. Right? Not anymore. If you don't, languages are one of those things. If you don't stay on the up and up with it, you, you just, you're not gonna, um, you, you're not gonna be able to, to keep it. But anyway, I, I just don't have that gift, right? Some people do. Some people do, right? But anyhow, we started talking about Suvorov. He said, what'd you think about that? What'd you think about the aquarium? I said, it was a really fascinating book. And he said, you know, I debriefed him when he defected to Great Britain. Deep statement. Deep statement. And so after I read Spetsnaz, I said, how accurate is this? I mean, is he, because there's, there's chapters in Spetsnaz especially that, that really 
Suvorov was a defector. He was the highest ranking defector from the Soviet GRU. He was a general and, you know, it, it, at face value, when, when people defect from countries, especially back in the cold war era, when you would have defectors, uh, they would leave for a variety of reasons, right? But, but when someone defects, you have to assume that much of what they're telling you is false because you don't know if this is a false insertion of an agent, somebody who's a double agent, right? You don't know. And his story is one of those that just seems too good to be true on a lot of levels. And I said, how, how full of shit is this guy? Because there's, there's some things in this book that I just, I don't know, man. And he said, well, he may have always been full of shit. He's still alive. Suvorov's still alive, by the way, uh, living in Britain. So he may, he, he may have been full of shit, but I can tell you this, that he was dead serious about everything that he said and everything that he wrote. Gives you food for thought. And so that's why the last chapter of Spetsnaz was always so fascinating to me that this last chapter of Spetsnaz is just a very interesting look into all of the dynamics that go into the, the Russian special forces, at least of the Soviet era. Um, it was a, a very original look at all of this and, and how they went about recruiting their agents when they operated abroad, because you have to know how your enemies work and how they're going to work against you. Right. Sun Tzu was exactly correct when he said, you have to know your enemy and yourself and you'll win every battle. If you only know yourself and do not know your enemy, you'll win half your battles. If you know neither, you will never win. Right now, America is in this dangerous phase where we don't know either. Right. We didn't win Afghanistan. We didn't win Iraq. We didn't win Vietnam. Korea was a tie, right? I'm not sure what Mark Milley is smoking when he says that Russia is losing in Ukraine. You know, the numbers are telling a different story. Anyhow, this last chapter, this last chapter of Spetsnaz, chapter 15, Spetsnaz's first World War. And you can find this in its entirety on AmericanPartisan.org. I posted it up yesterday. I've put it up a few times, but I posted it yesterday because it's so profound. Just think about this one. All right. Chapter 15, Spetsnaz's First World War. I was standing on the top of an enormous skyscraper in New York when I saw King Kong. Huge gorilla surveyed Manhattan triumphantly from a dizzy height. Of course, I knew it wasn't real, but there was something both frightening and symbolic in that huge black figure. I learned later that the gorilla was a rubber one, that it had been decided to celebrate the 15th anniversary of the showing of the first film about King Kong creating a gigantic inflatable model of the beast and placing it high above New York. The rubber monster was hauled up and swayed about in the wind. 
From the technical point of view, the operation had been a real triumph by the engineers and the workmen who had taken part in it. But it was not an entire success. The monster turned out to be too huge, with the result that holes appeared in its body through which the air could escape. So the gigantic muscular frame quickly collapsed into a shapeless bag. They had to pump more air in it, but the harder they pumped, the bigger the holes became, and the quicker the air escaped from the monster. So they had to keep on pumping. The communist leaders have also created a rubber monster and have hauled it up to a dizzy height. The monster is known as the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, and the Soviet leaders are faced with a dilemma to expand or to decline rapidly and become a flabby sack. It is interesting to note that the Soviet Union became a superpower in the course of the most destructive war in the history of civilization, despite the fact that it suffered the greatest loss of life and the greatest destruction to its own territory. It has become a military superpower and perhaps war is essential for its existence. I do not know how or when World War III will start. I do not know exactly how the Soviet High Command plans to make use of Spetsnaz in that war. The first world war in which Spetsnaz will be a major contributor. I do not wish to predict the future. In this chapter, I shall describe how Spetsnaz will be used at the beginning of that war as I imagine it. It is not my task to describe what will happen, but I can describe what might happen. He goes on. In the last month of peace, as in other wars, has almost a palpable air of crisis about it. Incidents, accidents, small disasters add to the tension. Two trains collide on a railway bridge in Cologne because the signaling system is out of order. The bridge is seriously damaged and there can be no traffic over it for the next two months. In the port of Rotterdam, a Polish supertanker bursts into flames. Because of an error, the captain, or by the captain, the tanker is far too close to the oil storage tanks on the shore and the burning oil spreads around the harbor. For two weeks, fire brigades summoned from practically the whole country fight a heroic battle with the flames. Port suffers tremendous losses. The fire appears to have spread at quite incredible speed, and some experts are of the opinion that the Polish tanker was not the only cause of the fire, that the fire broke out simultaneously in many places. In the Panama Canal, the Varna, a Bulgarian freighter loaded with heavy containers rams the docking gates by mistake. Experts reckon that the ship should have remained afloat, but for some reason she sinks there and then. To reopen the canal will take many months. The Bulgarian government sends its apologies and declares itself ready to pay for all the work involved. In Washington, the president's helicopter is taking off. Several shots are fired at it from snipers' rifles. The helicopter is only slightly damaged and the crew succeed in bringing it down again safely. No one in the craft is hurt. Responsibility for the attack is claimed by a previously unknown organization calling itself Revenge for Vietnam. That, by the way, folks, that right there, that is Antifa's forerunner in the United States. There's a terrorist explosion at a Vienna airport. A group of unidentified men attacked the territory of British military base in Cyprus with mortars. A serious accident takes place on the most important oil pipeline in Alaska. The pumping stations break down and the flow of oil fails or falls to a trickle. In West Germany, there are several unsuccessful attempts on the lives of American generals. 
in the North Sea, the biggest of the British oil rigs, tips over and sinks. The precise reason for this is not established, although established or uh, although experts believe that the corrosion of main supports is the culprit. In the United States, an epidemic of some unidentified disease breaks out and spreads rapidly. It seems to affect port areas, particularly such as San Francisco, Boston, Charleston, Seattle, Norfolk, and Philadelphia. There are explosions practically every day in Paris. The main targets are the government districts, communication centers, and military headquarters. At the same time, terrible forest fires are raging in the south of France. All of these operations, because of course none of these events are an accident, and others like them are known officially in the GRU as the preparatory period, and unofficially as the overture. The overture is a series of large and small operations, the purpose of which is, before the actual military operations begin, to weaken the enemy's morale, create an atmosphere of general suspicion, fear, and uncertainty, and divert the attention of the enemy's armies and police away to a huge number of different targets, each of which may be the object of the next attack. Did you hear that? Did you hear that one? Folks, you need to understand that while we could chalk individually each one of these elements up to being accidents, that, well, you know, we could just blame our infrastructure or we could blame the last political leader or we could blame the last political class. We could blame the last big man in charge, whoever it was, that we point to as if they were some sort of dictator, all-powering, all-omnipotent, all-knowing. But the reality is we have a border that's wide open. That's being infiltrated and flooded every single day with people who are not here because they want to share in the promise of America. They're being here, they're being brought here to overwhelm the system, to bring down the system. And embedded among them, because it would be absolutely asinine to assume to the otherwise, but embedded among them, are elements who absolutely are here to sabotage American infrastructure, what's left of it, and take advantage of an already bad situation that is brewing socially here at home. If you're not awake yet to the reality of the situation and in understanding that when we watch the 6 o'clock news at night, all right, when we look at the 24-hour news cycle, and they're very busy talking about the war over there, just know that there are elements who are very, very serious about starting the war here at home. They're coming from the left. China and Russia fully anticipates taking advantage of the chaos and fomenting it on their own. Folks, you have to be ready. I am sounding the alarm and I'm going to continue to do that because that's my job. Double down on your preparedness. 
shore up what you have now. This is only going to get worse. With that said, folks, we'll be on the air tonight. Sons of Liberty Live here on Podbean. It will be lit and live. We're going to have, uh, of course, all of our wonderful guest panel on there. Joe Dolio, TacticalWisdom.com, Green Dragon Academy with Mr. Johnny Paratrooper himself, Madman Actual, Patriot Man, possibly Risky Krisky, and myself all on the air. We're going to have a heck of a good time, and I invite all of you to be a part of it. With that said, stay safe. Get yourselves squared away. Pick up your copy of the Gorilla's Guide to the Balfang Radio if you haven't already. That is a big leg up on getting your communications squared away. God bless, folks. And understand that the Day of the Patriots is coming. We're going to have to defend America, and we will do it. God bless. And I'll talk to you very, very soon. This is NC Scout. Out. Stand away! Stand away!